Your Partner in Success Radio is a free business podcast with host Denise Griffiths. It's all about great stories, conversation, and context to help you move your business and life forward with actionable tips and advice from her guest experts. To listen and subscribe, just find us on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you consume your podcasts. Welcome to your Partner in Success Radio. I'm your host, Denise Griffiths, and this podcast is ranked in the top 2% of the most popular podcasts in the world. And honestly, it's not because of me, it is because of my incredible guests. I am honored and blessed to share time with people who are at the top of their game, and they show up here on this podcast and other people's podcasts willing to help you get to where you want to be in life and in business. These are not people who hold back. Their goal is to share with us the essence of peak performance. And my guest today is the founder of healthpreneur, Yuri Elkham. Elkame, I'm sorry. And he is here to share with us why complexity is the greatest enemy of growth and how to simplify your business and life for accelerated results. Now, Yuri is also one of the world's most trusted health and fitness experts. He's a former pro soccer player turned New York Times bestselling author, uh, of the all-day energy diet and the all-day fat-burning diet, and his clear science-backed advice has transformed the lives of more than half a million men and women. And he's on a mission, a very important mission, to help 100 million people get healthier and stronger by 2040. Let me get him in here. Yuri, can you hear me? Are you here? Yes, I am here. Hi. Hey, good good morning. It's good to see you here. You too. Thanks for having me. Listen, um I've been reading about you and um, you've got a fast fascinating, really a fascinating history. And it started when you were young. You didn't feel good, you felt sick all the time, you felt like an alien because you lost your hair. I mean it was, it's a crazy story. So before we go too much further, can you tell people a bit about you before we start talking about business? Yeah, for sure. So I grew up, and, you know, like everyone else. I, uh, you know, was an active person, active kid, active teenager. Um, but I was not really healthy, and I didn't realize it until I lost my hair at 17 to an autoimmune condition, which at the time I was like, what the heck just happened? Uh, but, you know, growing up on the standard American diet, uh, I didn't really piece those pu- puzzle pieces together. I was exhausted all the time, uh, sleeping 10 to 12 hours a day. I thought, oh, it's just because I'm active. Um, but I made a, a pretty early realization that you can be fit but not necessarily healthy, and that's, that was my case. So I lost my hair when I was 17. Uh, my, my goal when I was a kid was to play professional soccer, which I eventually did in my 20s. Um, but losing my hair really, really – took me on a slightly different tangent from that as well, because I really wanted to figure out why that happened. So I pursued studies in kinesiology and then eventually uh, nutritional sciences and started to really learn a lot about the human body and nutrition and, and all, that, all that stuff. Started off as a, you know, leaving university as a, as a trainer, working as a nutritionist, working one-on-one with clients, really enjoyed helping transform their lives. But I also got to a point where after doing that for seven years, and being massively underpaid, uh, I was just burnt out doing, you know, 12 to 14 hours a day. And this is before I had kids. So I was like, well, I don't know if this is sustainable because if I do have kids, I'd like to see them. 
and 2005, I had the idea of starting a business online, had no clue, you know, how to do anything, but set up an ugly website. And I thought, oh, this is going to be awesome. I'm just going to sell an ebook and, and live the laptop lifestyle. But that didn't really happen. Uh, so for the first three years, I was living on, you know, surviving on poverty line income as I was kind of chipping away at my in-person clients and building up this, this online dream. And eventually got some coaching in 2010 and started to really see things that I'd not seen before and really start to understand how to build a business. And then eventually, you know, that business really um, did some great things. And, and, you know, as you mentioned, you know, it helped half, half, you know, helped half a million people. Uh, that business was, you know, to the consumer. So weight loss, energy, just general health and fitness stuff. And uh, eventually sold that business a number of years ago. And then, you know, since then I've been focused on healthpreneur, which has been about helping health professionals and coaches grow their businesses online, uh, not in a brick and mortar, because I, I feel like working in a brick and mortar is a bit of a prison. And most health professionals uh, can relate to that because burnout is a major, major problem. Um, and it's, I think even before COVID and lockdowns, uh, a lot of people, at least in our space, had thought about, hey, maybe like this, this virtual practice thing, you know, coaching, what does that look like? And then I think with what happened during COVID, all of them were forced to go online in some way, shape or form. So that really accelerated, I think, the whole industry as a whole of looking at, you know, this is now really where the future is. Very much like online dating took off, you know, when it did. And so that's what we do. So we help them build their, their businesses online. Uh, we help them build coaching programs that really create transformational results for their clients and really moving away from the transactional model, which is one-on-one, you know, here's a session, swipe your visa, hopefully you'll see you whenever, to really a model that empowers the client to take more control of their healing journey and as a result, get better results, even if they never see their, their coach or practitioner in person. And initially, it's, it's interesting because a lot of people are like, well, how's that even possible? Well, it's possible because we've worked with more than 1,200 health professionals now. They've generated more than $217 million with our process. And more importantly, they've helped tens of thousands of their clients really transform their health. And that's really what we're here to do. Yeah. And listen, I, I'm an online person. I am convinced and have been for 20 years that God made the Internet for me. I loan it to y'all, but it's mine. That's just all there is to it. So if it's not on the Internet, I'm probably not going to pay a whole lot of attention to it because literally that's where I live and a lot of people do these days. It's, you know, it's instant accessibility, if you will, if you know what you're looking for. And it sounds like you are helping people find through the Internet and through the different various means of reaching people, you're helping your your healthpreneurs, your clients, find the people that they need to help. Does that sound about right? Yeah, totally. And it's I, I think it's a it's a very interesting and more effective approach because you know when I look at my decisions around the healthcare providers I've chosen, whether it's a chiropractor, physiotherapist, et cetera, it's all been based on who's closest to my house. Because I'm like, I don't want to drive across the city to someone else. And that's a, right. terrible, that's a terrible criteria for choosing the best provider for you. Versus when you, you, when you have the, the luxury of the internet and you see some stuff online and you start to resonate with this provider's message or their philosophy, no matter where they are in the world, you can be like, you know what? 
I want to work with this person because their philosophy jives with me. This is interesting. And just that alone allows people to better, uh, I think, make better decisions in terms of getting better care, really associating with a coach or a professional who they feel is a good fit for their values, their philosophy, as opposed to the fact that, oh, they're just down the street, so I'll go there. Um, so I think it's just, it's, it's not like, I think we all know the internet's amazing. You know, it can be used as a crux. I think it's a great tool, but it, you know, it can obviously be very easy to be used by the internet, social media, smartphones. So it's just about understanding, like, you know, how do we, as business owners, especially, how do we harness the power of what the internet has provided for us without being sucked into it? Because obviously it's very easy to do that as well. It is. It really is. And my attitude about the internet is be intensely curious, but be very, very cautious. And the reason I say that my brother, today is the 10th anniversary of his double lung transplant. He passed away about a year and a half ago. But he had an extra eight years with those new lungs. But we all just tormented him because he was all about Dr. Google. If he, if his toenail hurt, off to Dr. Google he went, and we would just razz the heck out of him, and rightfully so, because he came up with some wild stuff. But the other side of that was he was also able to help with his own care, because he was able to intelligently question some of the edicts that were being handed down to him. Yep. So it's a, it's a double-edged sword. So what I'm saying is just be careful. Be curious, be very, very curious, but use your common sense and take a deep dive. Don't take the first thing that pops up and says, oh, I like that. That's just not going to work. Did I lose you? No, sorry, I'm still here. Oh, okay, sorry. Yeah. I think I, it just kind of went silent and I thought I lost you. So tell us, kind of walk us, Yuri, if you would, from... I guess you had an autoimmune issue. So can you walk us through a few quick steps of how you said, ah, I don't want to live like this, I'm too young, what can I do? Because that goes back to my comment about curiosity. You apparently got very curious, and you started doing your homework. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, you know, I, I started asking questions. I'm like, well, why is this happening? Okay, I'm I'm losing my hair and it's not like male pattern baldness. I'm losing everything. My eyelashes, my eyebrows, everything. So I'm like, okay, well, what, like, why is this happening? And I've, and I've always been a very, I think, you know, looking back, first principle-based thinker, because I'm always trying to get to the root of why things happen. And I was not very satisfied in the least um, with any of the medical professionals that I went to see. So dermatologist was like, yeah, well, there's nothing we can do. We can inject your head with cortisone and that, you know, might help. I'm like, that's never going to happen. And so that started to really open up my investigation along with my parents, obviously, because I was young into alternative healing modalities, right? So that's, that's when I was really introduced to, you know, Chinese medicine and naturopathic doctors and all sorts of stuff. And I started to really gain an appreciation for what these individuals are doing. And, you know, at the time, I, there's no, like, there was no thought in my mind about like, someday I'm going to help these people build their businesses. Um, but I think in some way, shape or form, it's all come back to that because, you know, I, I see a lot of health professionals who, in, in my mind, I don't think there's any profession that is as impactful as someone who can help you transform your health. 
it's the one thing that is more important than anything else because if you don't have your health, nothing else matters. Yet so many of them struggle. They struggle because they work too much. They make too little. They feel bad about charging. They want to help everyone, but they can't. So they become martyrs in the service of other people. And it's, you know, part of my mission with Healthpreneur to, to, to really help them, at least those who are willing to be helped, and, and really step into their power and, you know, create solutions that are very effective for the people that they work with, but also in such a way that is suitable for them. Because, you know, there's no point in being the world's best healer if you're killing yourself in the process because you're trying to make everything for free or underpriced or whatever it is for the people you serve. So anyway, you know, it's all come full circle. But yeah, at the time, I just really wanted to figure out why this was happening. But I think the, the big thing for me was really when I was in school uh, and, and going back to school specifically in nutrition to really, really understand, oh, wow, like the food I was eating for, you know, 16, 17 years of my life as well as all the other, you know, and toxins and stuff coming into my body were uh, probably a very big reason for why all this happened. So when I started to clean everything up and started to take, you know, full accountability for my food, uh, my hair, I grew, I grew back my hair in the space of a couple months. And that was uh, very, very eye-opening. Although I kept my head shaved because by that point it was just, you know, just more natural and kind of my claim to fame. And then, um, when I was about 31, I took my son to the doctor, got a tetanus booster, which I don't even know why I got. And within two weeks, my hair fell out again. So anyways, long story short, uh, I've always been fascinated by, you know, why things happen in the way they do. And I've just never really been satisfied with like, oh, this is just the way it is. And there's not much we can do about it. I'm like, well, what if we just kind of looked under the, you know, under the surface a little bit more to really figure, figure that out? And that's, that's, you know, that's kind of how it all started. So that, you know, that, that intense curiosity for trying to get to the root cause was, was a big driver for me at the time. And I'm so glad that you did that because it's very easy these days. We're busy. Everybody's got something to do or somewhere to go. You know, we're just bombarded with, I think, millions of thoughts a day. And we're worn out. And then we just grab something real quick to eat. And it's not, you know, and we know, listen, if you're paying attention to your body, you eat something that's not good for you, you're going to know it within about five or ten minutes. You can tell. It doesn't stop you, but you keep on, you know, you you crave the, the status, you calmed your, your craving, I guess. But I'm fascinated by what it is that you found that people really can do. Let's just say they're on a budget. They really don't have, you know, access to, to immediate health care unless they find somebody like you and you've got courses or books or however they, they find information. But honestly, where do they start? The, is it a mindset? Do they start with, and you know, I'm thinking because we've got the new year coming up and that's of course when everybody makes those silly new year's resolutions that never yeah. take, but, and I don't make resolutions. I make goals. Those are completely different things. But this is about the time of year people are thinking, oh, man, I just gained 10 pounds over the Thanksgiving holiday. Christmas is coming, and my mom is making fudge. I cannot pass on the fudge. So what can we do? I guess my real question is what can we do right now to start preparing ourselves for, you know, the New Year's resolutions, if that's the way we want to go? Yeah, I mean, like, the, the biggest issue is no one understands their own body. That's, that's the fundamental issue in everything. Um, if you look at finances or wealth and health, 
Those are two biggest issues for most humans, aside from the relationship side of things. Uh, and, and those are two areas that most people have absolutely no clue about. Nothing, none of this stuff is taught in school for, you know, I'm not, I'm not talking about going into like specialization programs. I'm talking about like primary school, high school, all that. No one is taught about health, nutrition, fitness in a way that's actually meaningful. And also no one's taught about wealth, finances, you know, all that kind of stuff. And those are the two areas of life where most people struggle. So the biggest thing that most like that anyone can do is first and foremost, understand that the doctor is never going to save you. And if you outsource your health to the medical system, you might as well just call it a day. And I think that's a fundamental mindset that everyone has to adopt is like, my health is my responsibility. Um, I live in Canada where healthcare is free. I mean, obviously we pay for it in taxes, but my goal is never to enter a hospital ever. And I told my kids, I'm like, if I ever get to the point in my life where I'm in a wheelchair and I have to be on a, you know, on a ventilator in, in a hospital, I'm like, just push me off a cliff because that's, that's number one, I should never get there if I'm taking responsibility of my health. And I think the healthcare system is awesome for acute injuries. If you have a broken leg, yeah, go to the doctor, get a cast on. But for chronic issues, which are the main issues in our lives, cancer, heart disease, diabetes, et cetera, that, you know, the healthcare system is pretty much useless. The challenge is that most people have no clue about how to take care of their own health. They don't even understand what their kidneys are. They don't understand what their liver does. They don't understand the basics, right? I'm not saying you have to become a medical professional, but everyone has the opportunity to learn about how their, how their body works. When you buy a car, you get an owner's manual. Flat tire, here's what I do. Here's the PSI I have to take it to, whatever. When something goes wrong with your body, there's no instruction manual. So then you go to Dr. Google and there's a lot of censorship of information, which is very problematic because people are only shown some of the information and then they're making decisions based on false premises. So I think the fundamental issue, and this is not going to be solved in the near future, which is very unfortunate, but I think that all of us can take ownership of reading a book, of listening to a health expert, even if that person is, you know, skewed, subjective, opinionated, everyone is. You're never going to get the full objective picture, but as long as you start to understand the fundamentals, and this is where I go back to first principle thinking, is if you gain weight, why is that happening? Like understand fundamentally what happens when you eat certain foods. And I think a really simple thing that a lot of people can, can start by doing is, you know, in business, we track metrics, but with our health, we don't really do that other than stepping on the scale. So, you know, if you're someone who's relatively... Um, you know, new to learning about your health, I think a really simple thing that's very, very eye-opening is using a glucometer, basically a glucose uh, meter where when you eat food, you can see what happens to your blood sugar. So you can see, oh, wow, that number went really, really high. Huh. And then you start to recognize how you feel shortly after. And you start to create these correlations. You're like, okay, when I eat this, this is what happens to my blood sugar. Then I feel like I want to take a nap. And when you have that feedback, you can start to really piece together the puzzle to say, you know what, I feel best when I eat this type of food. I don't feel good when I eat this type of food. And I can see through this type of visual feedback what it's doing to my blood or blood sugar. So I think that's really where it starts is all of us have at our disposal more information than we'll ever be able to get through in a lifetime. But I do think it's really important that we take it upon ourselves to start learning, to start learning about anything we're interested in when it comes to our body, because every little thing helps. And, you know, one of the, one of the things that we do with our kids 
you know, we talk about this stuff all the time. We, they actually have a book, which I think is amazing for adults too, which is um, Human Body Theater. It's an amazing book. It's a kid's book. It's basically a cartoon type of book, but it's actually one of the best anatomy slash physiology books I think even adults could read because in that one book through cartoons, you will learn everything you need to know about how your body operates. And just that alone, if you just read that book all by itself, you would be better off than 99% of the people on this planet. And I think when you understand that, you can start making better decisions from a place of knowing and understanding as opposed to, oh, I heard so-and-so talk about this on Dr. Oz. And so that's where I think the fundamental issue is, is that just most people just don't understand their health and they have to learn about it. Okay, I'm going to ask you to repeat the name of that book. I think you said Human Body Theater. Yep, Human Body Theater. I'm going to go find that. I have found, and thank you for sharing that, I have found that there are certain foods that just bother the heck out of me as I get a little bit older. I've never liked sugar, so that was never really a problem. I don't like it at all. In fact, it actually hurts me if I get too much of it. And I don't like chocolate, go figure. But I'm learning that if I eat white foods, white rice, white potatoes, white flour, I am congested. I get headachey. You know, I can't breathe. So I'm having to avoid things that I really enjoy. But they don't do me any good. Yeah, exactly. And if that's part of the journey, or like you just you start to identify, oh, like this food doesn't make me feel good. And and for for me. I try to be mindful as much as possible. I'm, I'm not perfect. I mean, I love pizza. Like, that's not something I feel like I'm going to give up. Um, but, you know, to the best of my ability, I'm like, hey, is this food going to strengthen me or is this going to weaken me? So when I say weaken, is this food going to make me feel tired and sluggish or is it going to strengthen me in, in terms of feeling vital, more energetic, and, you know, obviously nutrient-dense to provide my body with nutrients? And I, I try to look at a lot of my decisions or, like, in a more conscious fashion, you know, even if I'm having um, even a glass of wine, like I don't, I don't do well with sulfites, um, which are added to all wines for preservation. And as much as I love a nice glass of wine once in a while, I'm like, I, I've related that to, you know, what, I'm going to, I'm going to wake up in the morning. My breathing is going to be more labored. I'm going to feel more sluggish even just one glass of wine, like, is it worth it? Do I really want to feel like that tomorrow? So you can start to make more conscious decisions when you can make those correlations. And I think it's, it's important for all of us to have that awareness. I agree with you. And I'm finding, I have found for quite a while now that when I eat this particular, and it doesn't mean those particular kinds of foods, and it doesn't have to be a whole heck of a lot, to be honest. I mean, no. I love gumbo. I'm in the deep south. I make the best gumbo around. I'm better than most restaurants, as far as I'm concerned. Not even humble about it but I have to almost avoid the, the rice that normally goes with it because I start sneezing. I get congested. I want to go back into my office and work. My brain is foggy. And then I start wondering if I'm, you know, putting myself you know, on the timeline for dementia because of the inflammation that I just deliberately inflicted on myself. I mean, people have got to start wondering about these things. Yeah, yeah, totally. And inflammation, let's talk about that. That's a big deal. I mean, we, we, I've read, and you can correct me if I'm you know, mistaken, but I have read multiple times over the years that inflammation is one of the biggest killers of humans. Mm-hmm. Is that about right? Yep. Yep. Pretty much. Oh, um, 
Yeah, and, and again, like you don't you don't feel inflammation. That's the thing is, I mean, there's certain symptoms, obviously, you know, like an allergy season, you get, you know, runny nose, itchy eyes, like those are signs of, of inflammation or a histamine response, which can be very similar in the body. But for the most part, we don't really understand what inflammation is because we don't feel it like we feel caffeine. And that's part of the issue is that if you are not getting blood tests done on certain markers, you don't really know and you're flying blind. And it's not to say that you have to do that stuff, but honestly, it's very helpful to do some lab tests here and there because you'll start to, you'll start to see like, oh, interesting. I didn't, I didn't realize this number was a little bit higher than it's supposed to be. What can I do about that? And inflammation is essentially your body's way of, you know, like think about it. Uh, I mean, there's obviously different analogies for inflammation, but if you have, you know, a cut on your finger, your body goes through an inflammatory response to heal that cut. And so there's all sorts of, you know, molecules and, and, and white blood cells and the immune response to, to seal and heal that. And the same thing happens in your body, but we just don't see it with, you know, whether you eat a food that is, doesn't resonate with your body, your body responds in a very similar fashion. And the more that happens, over time, the more problems can, uh, can come from that. So yeah, so inflammation is, is certainly, you know, what a lot of people call it, like the silent killer. I've always heard that. And you know, we were talking earlier, you were talking earlier about people make their, their medical decision based on proximity. That kind of makes sense. I mean, if you can't afford or have the time to say drive to San Francisco, if you live in the San Francisco Bay Area, but you don't want to spend two hours on the road getting to that hospital, you're going to probably go to a lesser, less competent hospital that's 20 miles away instead. You know, it, it makes sense. But I started thinking when you were talking about that, we do the same thing for our pets. You know, we're going to pick probably the veterinary clinic that's the closest to us or has the better pricing. But these days with so many people having pets in the pet industry being a multi-billion dollar industry. Like, I have cats, I have a dog. I promise you, Yuri, I spend more money on their food than I do mine. I don't think I'm alone with that. But here here was my thought while you were talking. We will watch our pets with an eagle eye, like, ooh, are you limping? What's going on? Are you sneezing? Do you have... They're like our babies. We're watching them. We're caring for them. Why don't we do the same thing for ourselves? Good question. I mean, I think we know that most people will do more for others than they will for themselves, which is kind of ironic since most humans are selfish in the sense of we're only interested in what's in it for ourselves. But I think there's, um, I don't know where that comes from, to be honest. I don't think, I don't know if it's a sense of worthiness, like we don't feel we're worthy of, you know, better, better outcomes, or, you know, maybe we just don't want to go through the pain of having to change or improve ourselves. Um, I don't know. I don't know what the, that is, but I definitely can agree with you on the pet <laughs> pet thing for sure. Well, you know what I'm thinking while you're talking? I'm thinking that we might be afraid to find out what we kind of already know. And if we think, oh, geez, I'm probably pre-diabetic or, you know, I've, I may have cancer or I may, you know, whatever it is, but you don't want to know. You just yeah. don't want to know. It'll, I'll feel better tomorrow. It's going to be fine. Yeah. yeah. We can really trick ourselves into making some huge mistakes about our our health and listen i agree with you our health and as far as i can tell starts with our nutrition and then goes on obviously to how physically fit are we are we moving are we sitting on the couch all the time but i think we have to get over that fear 
which is probably unfounded, and take control of what we're going to do starting now, going on tomorrow, the next day, and don't even worry about what happened yesterday. Start now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, a lot of people want everything to be perfect. So they're like, well, if I can't, I can't, like, holiday season, well, what's the point of starting now if I'm just going to have Thanksgiving dinner or Christmas dinner and put on the weight? I'll start in January. Well, that's, that's why most people lose in life, right? Like, there is never a perfect time. Like, you have to start now and build momentum. Like, would it make more sense to start now and build better habits, even if you had an onslaught of food for the next six weeks, as opposed to starting after all of that and being, you know, having the wrong inertia, um, not moving in the right direction, and then having to climb this huge mountain of starting to build better habits at that point. So, yeah, I mean, the best time to start is yesterday. Like for like, I don't understand. I mean, listen, like I understand. I understand why people do this stuff, but we have to be able to get out of our own way. We have to get out of our own comfort zone. We have to do, we have to do things when we're not ready to do them because no one's ready to have kids, right? No one's like, there's never a perfect time to do anything. And the best time to do anything is now because like we only have a certain number of days on this planet and every day passes by. We're just wasting time without actually moving towards our, our bigger future. And the more we delay, the more we procrastinate, the more momentum and inertia we have to overcome in the opposite direction to then eventually start. So, yeah, I mean, we just, uh, yeah, we just have to get out of our own way and, and, and move forward. And this is not just, you know, we're not just talking personal. We're talking business here, too, because this is what you do. You help people, you know, other health entrepreneurs, coaches, and, you know, people like you start and scale online businesses that are going to create income and freedom for them and much better results for their clients, which is really what we're, we're talking about here. So they have to start. You have to start. We all have to start somewhere. And obviously, it's going to start at home. What did you eat this morning? Did you get up and walk around and take the dog outside? You know, what's, what's going on? But if you're spending, here's my thought, Yuri, if you're spending all day, every day, overcoming your, oh, geez, I should have done, oh, geez, I shouldn't have eaten that, and you're beating yourself up, you are already way behind the ball. So there's that mental issue that we have to get over, that, oh, poor, poor me, and oh, I was stupid. We beat ourselves up a lot. I don't know about you, but if anybody were to speak to me in a Walmart parking lot the way I speak to myself, I'd bloody their nose and need bail money. It wouldn't work. I wouldn't accept it. But we have the weirdest conversations with ourselves around health, around business, around, gosh, everything. So I think part of what we need to do is stop talking ugly to ourselves. There's there's a start. Yeah, I mean, everything we everything we speak is a spell. So exactly. I'm so glad you said that. I was just talking to a friend of mine yesterday. I said, you know. We always hear about spirituality, which I'm very spiritual. We always hear about this, that, and the other. But the truth is we're magic. We were born of magic. We are magic. We can call magic. And I'm not talking about grabbing a broom and riding off on it. But we are magic as far as I'm concerned. 100%. And, you know, our life is a, re- our life is a reflection of what's happening in our head. So our, it's like going to a movie theater. Our head is, our mind is the projector. And what's on the screen is what's in our physical reality. So, you know, when anything happens in life, you know, two people can experience the exact same, uh, the exact same situation, but very, have very different internal representations of that. One person could be like, this is the worst thing that ever happened. The other person's like, man, this has been amazing. 
And that, again, like with everything, that's a choice. No one puts a gun to your head and says, you have to think these thoughts. No one says you have to speak like this to yourself. You have to catch yourself, train yourself, recondition yourself to focus on what you want, to speak in a way that empowers you, and to use your body in a way that puts you in a position of power. If you don't do those three things, you will never achieve what you want in life. Because if you don't move your body, you're going to feel like crap. If you speak to yourself poorly, you're going to just, you're demoting, demotivating yourself. And if you don't, and if you focus on the wrong things, then why would you do anything if you're focused on the thing you don't want to actually have happen? So a lot of us, all of us have been conditioned in some way, shape or form, whether it's parents, upbringing, whatever, that's great. Like stop using that excuse. All of us have that story. So you have the choice to rewrite the future or you can keep telling yourself the same story. Like I have, zero compassion anymore for, I shouldn't say zero. I have very little time and patience for the same story over and over again. I'm like, you've been saying the same thing for the last several years. Let's please stop talking about it or actually do something about it. Because all it comes down to is if you do not want something badly enough, you won't do anything about it. So please stop talking about how you want this thing, because if you did, you would run through a brick wall to make it happen. And I think the challenge is like a lot of people live in a world, especially in the Western world, that is okay. They have a roof over their head. They have some money coming in. They can put food on the table. And most people's standards are so low that they tolerate that. And I think that's an absolute shame because we're meant for so much more. And I think a lot of people need to get very, very uncomfortable with how bad their situation is before they do anything about it. But then again, they'll say, well, it's not all about the money or there's other things that are more important in life. And those are all protective mechanisms that keeps them playing small. And, you know, part of my goal as a coach is to challenge people and call them out on their bullshit because all of these stories for the most part don't serve us. And it's not easy to change, but it's worthwhile because if you want to serve more people, if you want to live a better, live a better quality of life, something has to give, something has to change. Like what got you here is not going to get you there. And, you know, I, I think it comes down to how badly do you want what it is you want. Like desire is probably the biggest, probably the most important factor in change because the pain of change is going to be somewhat painful, but it's not going to be as painful as the pain of your current situation. But if the pain of your current situation isn't that bad, you're not going to want to change. So, yeah, again, I think this is part of the journey we all have to go through. Um, I'm not even sure where I'm going with this, but hopefully that makes sense. I, I know where you're going with it, and I was just scribbling while you were talking. This is what I wrote down. Don't tolerate your own low expectations. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's what I heard. And stop yep. play, playing small. Let me give you a compare and contrast example. I just realized yesterday that my next-door neighbor, who, frankly, I detested, we had a lot of problems with her, and police were called more than once. She was just a very difficult person, very. And I realized yesterday that she had died. I didn't realize that she was even gone because I just stayed away from her. And um, I went and I looked up obituary to see, and it was, she passed away in, in July, which I didn't know. The compare and contrast part of this is somebody on Facebook who is a coach, a very well-known coach, apparently very well-loved. He passed away, and I don't know what happened. I think he passed away on Saturday. I mean, his friends and family are just heartbroken. People who have never worked with him, but he was a coach. He was a business person. 
apparently he was a very kind and compassionate person. I knew who he was. I mean, I had some dealings with him, but not, I didn't deal with him at a level that a lot of these people were speaking about. And I mean, I was reading some of these things and I was just like, oh my God. Compare and contrast that to the neighbor that nobody cares about because she was just so icky. Yeah. Which yeah, do you want to be? Who do you want to be? Yeah, for sure. Anyway, and I've, I'll be honest with you, I felt bad because I didn't feel bad. She really was a terrible woman. Unhappy, made sure that everybody around her was as well. But I just, I caught myself thinking, well, I should feel bad about that. I couldn't do it. Sorry. I just didn't have any empathy or sympathy. But here's, we're talking, let me get away from that before I really out myself as a very mean person. But, you know, you built a $217 million health coaching empire. And this is the part that I wanted to ask you about. You did this with little to no following. How did you get out there? And how did you get people to say, I really like what he's saying. How can I find more? Well, I mean, I paid for it. So the, the short answer is there's two ways to build a business. You can do it for free and post online in whatever frequency you want. And a lot of people do that. Um, and they don't realize how much effort it takes to do that. Like my first business was largely built on quote unquote free organic content marketing. And it took 10 years you know, to, to achieve a lot of traction. Uh, when I started Healthpreneur, I'm like, I'm never playing that game again. It was too, com- it was too complex. Um, it took way too long. And knowing what I know now, there's there's a much faster path. So with Healthpreneur, we made you know the same amount of revenue in one-tenth of the time because we paid for it. And that, what I mean by that is we paid to acquire our clients. We paid to get ourselves out there, and we used advertising. So we used Facebook ads, Instagram ads to put a message in front of our ideal prospects and then just move them into a value adding presentation or a webinar online. And for those people who are interested in taking the next step with us, they would book a call and we'd speak with them. And if there's a mutual fit, we would work together. And that's, that's still all we do. Now, again, obviously we've opened up in the past you know, few years, more of the organic content marketing side, because, you know, we've got some very, 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 very big goals for the, for the brand over time. And I, you know, I think the branding and, and content side is important but none of that stuff does anything for our business right now. And, and we know that. And we're like, that's, that's fine. Like, we understand we're building this for the future. But if I had to pay the bills with that stuff, there's no way. So, you know, when I say we had no following, I mean, I sold my previous business and we started a new business. I had no following in this new space. No one knew who I was. I mean, yeah, you could say, okay, you were a New York Times bestseller previously. But still, like, you know, with 3 billion people using Facebook and Instagram, no one knows any of us. So... We had no email list, no social following. We actually didn't even have Instagram for the first three years of the business. We had no YouTube channel, no podcast, nothing. And all we did was focus on this one business model. We call it Perfect Client Pipeline, which is what we teach our clients. And we perfected it. And that's all we did. And so that's how we went from zero to multiple seven figures uh, very quickly. And, you know, we've grown since then. So that's, that's, that's how we've done it. And that's how we help our clients. Like a lot of... A lot of people think they have to have this huge following and they have to post content all over the place. And like, you could play that game, but there's also another vehicle you can use that's faster that requires none of that. None of our clients are famous. Like they're not on Dr. Oz. They're not on the cover of magazines. These are everyday health professionals who are true experts in their field who have 
in some cases, no website, no online following, and some of our clients have a bit more of an online following, but it doesn't matter to us. What matters to us is like you're an actual expert, and if someone comes to you with a specific problem, you can help transform their life. We'll help you with everything else. And so that's, that's how we've done it, and that's how we help our clients do it as well. And, you know, our whole, you know, our whole, the premise behind this is like you don't have to be famous to be financially free. You have to build your income first. Your influence will follow. And a lot of people have it backwards. They're, they're focused on doing stupid stuff on social media, trying to build their influence, trying to make an income from that. And it, it doesn't happen. Like if you look at most of the people who have a lot of clout online, it's not their first rodeo. Like they built a business previously doing something completely different and made a ton of money. And now they have that to amplify all the free stuff they're putting online to build their following. But right. a lot of people think of that. They're like, oh, that's, this person's doing this, this, and this. I'm like, that's great. But do you know about the first business that even got them in this position in the first place? I didn't think so. And I think a lot of people don't understand the importance of context. Because they, they only see what they see. And they have no idea what happened before or even now it's, you know, what's, what's happening behind the curtains. So, yeah, I mean, that, that's pretty much how we built it from, from scratch to where we are. And, um, yeah. And see, as a web developer and a digital marketer, I understand and agree with everything you just pointed out. And trying to be an influencer, people will come to me and say, oh, I don't want to be an influencer. Find somebody else to help you. I am not your person. For starters... I don't have any patience with that. I think it's cheating, and I think it's fake as hell. So I'm just going to put that out there. So, no, you know, you're not branding. You're faking people out, so find somebody else. But, yeah, I agree with everything you say. You've got to build and then, I mean, you have to have the money to build. It's hard to do it all free. I've tried it. It's hard. You spend all your time, morning, noon, night, nap times, whatever, and you're thinking, okay, how can I make this work? Where can I find the free stuff? Freebies are great. It shouldn't be the first thing you head for. You should find people on your team or people who work like you do or can advise you or coach you. You did right getting a coach right away. But you need to find experts to back you up and to advise you. Don't, don't try to do everything on your own. It'll put you to bed late and wake you up early, and you won't feel good. You will not feel rested. I've been there. I've done it. Yeah, I agree. Okay, so I wanted to, you talk, we had our, our pre-interview, and you were talking about the complexity and why it's the greatest enemy of growth and how to simplify your business. Complexity I think, honestly, I think so many of us think, well, if I can do this and add a hundred free things to it, everybody's going to love me. But I think that you need to simplify things. And I've been listening to you before. I think that you're talking about that as well. Yeah, complexity is, I think, in, like all of us want simpler. Like, I don't think anyone is like, show me the more complex solution. The challenge is that as an organism, and in this case, a business being an organism grows, it becomes more complex. Like if you think of a single-celled organism, just biologically, it is a single cell. The human body is more complex, right? The human body is more complex as it grows from the embryo to full form. And it's the same thing with business, is that 
complexity naturally increases as your business grows. But the challenge is that complexity doesn't scale. Simplicity does. So my previous business, one of the reasons I sold it was because I just wanted, I wanted out. I'm like, this is way too complicated. We had more than, I'd say, 100 different product funnels. And it was just exhausting. Like we had digital products, courses, supplements, like everything. And it was, it was way, way, way too much uh, relative to the revenue we were doing. It's like we had like the product plan of Procter & Gamble without the revenue of Procter & Gamble. And like it was, just, it was just insanity. So I think one of the things that I'm able to, to support my clients with, and I think I think a good coach is able to, or a good, I think a master in any domain is able to simplify complexity. So when I was, you know, running my previous health business, a lot of what people appreciated was the fact that I was able to simplify complex health things into ways that they could understand. And I, and I, and I feel I do the same in business. And part of the conversation I have with my clients is just stay on the sidewalk, right? Like don't, don't venture off onto the grass. Don't venture off onto the street. Just do one thing, do it very, very well and do nothing else until you reach the certain level because nothing else you do is going to move the needle. Well, maybe I should like offer a lower price option for people who can't afford to work with me. I'm like, don't do it. Don't do it. You're going to offer something for a fraction of the price to, to appease a few people. Then you have to create that. Then you have to service that. Then you have to deal with all that. Like, what's the point? Attention is our biggest commodity. I mean, it's it, it, like, we all have time, but we all have attention. And where attention goes, energy flows and results show. So if you have one offer, one product, one course, one program, whatever, you have 100% of your attention on that one thing. If you have two, then you're automatically 50% or 75, 25%. It's split. And as, if you add another one, you split it again. And if you have another one, you split it again. Now, if you've got a team of you know, dozens upon dozens upon dozens of people and each one can own its own product lines, that, that's one thing. But most people don't. And so I, I think like more, more, most people would rather do something new than do one thing better. And I think if more entrepreneurs just said, I'm going to do one thing and do it as well as I possibly can, and I'm not going to do anything new, I'm just going to keep doing this one thing better and better and better and better, more people would succeed in business, especially online. And so that's why I say complexity is the enemy of growth, because complexity means split attention. And if you have split attention, you get split results. You know, I'm glad you said that. I interview a lot of authors, a lot. I have done so for years. And what I have found, and I've had several authors who are also very famous speakers, just flat out say they are one-trick ponies. They figured out what their core message was, and they, you know, worked it, worked it, worked it, honed it, and they're still talking about it. Yep. Yeah, it's great. I think, you know, everyone wants a specialist. No, like, no one wants a generalist. Uh, if you have a leak in your roof, you're not, you're not going to – I think we would rather call a roofer than a general contractor. If we have a plumbing issue, we're going to call a plumber, not a general contractor. Brain surgeons get paid more than general practitioners do. We don't look for the second best restaurants. We look for the, like, the best restaurants in whatever food category. Everyone wants a specialist, but as business owners, we think, well, if I specialize, I'm going to alienate everyone. Well, obviously, you're going, to, you're going to alienate everyone. You weren't going to help everyone in the first place. And it's really important to remember that because if you try to help everyone, 
you end up helping no one because your messaging becomes so diluted. Like how can you possibly have laser focused messaging for everyone? It's impossible. And if, if the messaging doesn't relate or resonate with your audience, they are not going to do anything with you because they don't feel you're the best solution for them. A lot of our clients uh, come to us because, yeah, there are many other business mentorship companies out there, but a lot of them do not focus exclusively on health professionals. We do. So even if we had the same solution as someone else, but we focus on health professionals only, we would win more business just because those health professionals would rather work with a specialist who works with health professionals. And it's the same thing with every business. Um, And so again, like going back to simplifying, you simplify by starting to identify or starting by identifying who is your single target market. That's where like the, the first point of simplification starts with who is my single target market. And you start there and that's how you start to simplify. And then you can look at your offerings and you can simplify that as well. But I, I think, um, and again, just, you know, like with most things, most entrepreneurs are not taught any of this stuff. It's a lot of self-learning discovery as you go. Um, because, you know, let's be honest, most school programs, like even MBA programs don't really help with, you know, running a business successfully. And again, you're coming into, you're being dropped into an ocean without knowing how to swim. And so a lot of this is trying to figure things out on your own and you're doing like front crawl, breaststroke, butterfly all together. And you're like, uh, what's, you know, why isn't this working? And so that's where I think it's just really helpful to have a mentor who's been there and done that so they can just show you how to do it properly. Oh, exactly. And honestly, I mean, I'm, you know, see me, I'm scribbling. I've got four index cards front and back. They're filled. But, you know, I was listening to you. You're talking about simplify, simplify. Listen, as a web developer, I hear this all the time. One of my first questions is, who is your audience? Who are you looking to serve? Oh, everybody. Nope. And off we go. <laughs> I don't even make yeah. it. I'm not even polite about it. No. Let's figure out who you really are helping. Because let's face it, when people come to you, they want to know what's in it for them. That's really, they're there because they have an issue, they have a question, they have a problem. They're looking for you to solve it. So who is your real audience? It's, it's really that simple. Yeah, 100%. Okay, so hustle. I know that you say hustle is way overrated, and I can't even begin to tell you how much I agree with that. And that to build an actual business that works for you, you have to basically stop hustling. Let's talk about that. Yeah, there, listen, there's a time and place to, to hustle, right? Like I think when you're, when you're starting out, you're bootstrapping everything, you know, proverbially, you know, metaphorically speaking, you're knocking on every single door. There's a certain time to hustle. And I think, you know, your business journey goes through seasons, but every season of your business cannot be hustle season because that's how you burn out. And you can hustle in all sorts of different ways, whether it's on the marketing side, the sales side, the delivery side, but in some way, shape or form, you have to understand what it is you're doing in business. And a business, as far as I define it, is a collection of systems that produces a profit for the owner independent of the owner's presence. So if you think of McDonald's, it is a collection of systems run by teenagers that produces a profit for the owner of the McDonald's location. Obviously, it's in the service of customers, et cetera. But what I see a lot of, um, I'll just use a lot of brick and mortar uh, examples. You know, someone buys a franchise for an ice cream shop. 
and the owner of the franchise is the, is the person scooping the ice cream. That's not a business. That you just bought yourself a $500,000 job, which is crazy. So when you are hustling, hustle to build assets and systems that can work independently of you. Because at least there, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. It's like, hey, I'm building a system that is going to work when I don't. Like the, another way of thinking about this is like building systems is like building a house. Hustle is like building a house and then it being torn down and then starting again the next day and then it being torn down and then starting again the next day. You have nothing to show for your efforts unless you are building an asset or system that can work for you even when you're not working. So in your activities, what, you know, whatever it is you're doing in business, like really, really think about, okay, I'm going to do this for X amount of time, but if I stop doing this, have I built something that is duplicatable, replicatable, or runnable by someone else? And if you're not doing that, you're going to hustle for a very, very long period of time. And when you hustle for a very, very long period of time, well, you get burnt out and then you start hating business and you want to sell it or you want to get out of it or, you know, you start to sabotage it. So that's, that's why I'm not a huge fan of hustle. I agree with you. I'm almost speechless. That was just so brilliantly stated. How, let's say I come to you and I've got, I cannot figure my way out of the, the morass that I've landed myself in. How do I identify what the core constraint is that is really bottlenecking me? Well, you can't identify the core constraints in your business if you don't understand what your business model is. So a business model is essentially, you know, how you attract leads or prospects, convert them into clients or customers, and how you deliver to them on the back end. It really becomes like the flywheel. Like how can you, if you could, like, can you draw this out on a napkin? Here's the first thing that happens, then this, then this, then this. Most businesses, especially online, their business model is non-existent and they think that word of mouth is a business model or they think that posting dancing videos on Instagram is a business model. It's a joke. It's not a business. That's what it is. And if so, let's just say you're using uh, dancing videos on Instagram and then somehow people send you a DM because they're so amazed and they want to work with you. How do you identify the constraints of what's working there or not working? Well, it's impossible. Like, oh, I don't think these types of dancing videos are working. These ones work better. Like, it's it was so an accident. Hard. Somebody saw it and went, oh, that's cute. And yeah, how it, in the world can you, you figure out what it's all about? Yeah, uh, it, it's just, it's crazy. So, it, like, if you look at business like a manufacturing process, right, there are inputs that lead to outputs. And, like, you put this part of the conveyor belt, then it goes here, then it goes here, then it goes here. And when you have a business that almost, you know, metaphorically could look like a conveyor belt, you can start, or an assembly line, you can say, okay, well, at this part of the process, there's a slowdown. Okay, if I'm, in our case, if we're running Facebook ads and we're getting people to register to watch a webinar, and then from that webinar, we're getting people to book a call with us, and then from that call, the right people, you know, want to work with us, we know very specifically what that looks like. We call it a perfect client pipeline. I can draw it out. It's very simple. So when we're looking at our metrics or we're looking at our business, we're like, okay, cool. We're not uh, getting enough leads. Okay, cool. Why is that happening? Well, the cost per lead is really high. All right, well, why is that happening? Well, maybe the opt-in page is, you know, really low. Okay, well, why is that happening? Well, the headline sucks. Okay, let's change the headline. Or we're paying a fortune for our ads. Well, what do you mean by we're paying a fortune for our ads? Like, what, like is it the cost per click? Or, like, what specific aspect of that is not working? Because once you identify what that constraint is, 
you can fix it. I just had a call with our clients this morning and the question was, um, you know, I've been running my ads for a couple hundred dollars. I'm not getting any calls booked. What should I do? Well, you have to look at your critical numbers and you have to assess where the issue is. So I said, okay, cool. How many leads do you have in your pipeline? He said 71. So right away, I'm like, well, we don't have an issue around calls being booked. We have an issue around leads. Because if you only have 71 leads in, what are you expecting? Like, are you expecting 71 people to book a call to you? It's not going to happen. So we look at, all right, how much are you paying for a lead? I'm paying 15 bucks. Okay, well, that's two and a half times as much as we want to you know, be spending. So let's have a look at the ad. Let's have a look at the landing page. Let's fix one of those or both of those issues. And as that happens, your cost per lead goes down. As your cost per lead goes down, you can have more inflow of leads for the same ad spend. If you have hundreds and hundreds of people come through your pipeline and at that point, no one's booking a call, then we have another issue to look at, i.e. another constraint. But most people, most business owners don't have this type of eloquent assembly line-like business model, which is why it's very hard for them to identify where the constraint is. Now, if they do have that, if, you know, I'm sure there are many that do, you have to look at the constraint that is highest up the funnel. So if someone's like saying, I'm not enrolling a client, I'm like, cool, how many leads have come in? They're like five. I'm like, well, don't even talk about clients yet because you've got five people who gave you their email address to opt into this thing. We got to fix that constraint first. So we, we fix the constraints highest up in the assembly line or highest up in the, the funnel. Um, and then we work our way backwards toward that point of transaction, that sale. But again, it's very hard to do that if you can't articulate or map out what your business model looks like. Well, really, and which, what I heard you say or what I kind of wrote down was people say, oh, God, I'm paying $500 a month on ads and nothing's happening. You're looking at the 500 bucks and nothing else. You have not broken it down like you just said. You haven't you know, gone to this piece of it, this piece of it, this piece, and to see where the bottleneck or the constraint is. You're just looking at, that's 500 bucks. This has to stop or this has to be fixed. That's no way to look at it. Yeah. And then they start making blanket statements like Facebook ads don't work. So like, right. well, if, that were, yeah. if that were the truth, do you think Facebook would, would still be in existence? Because Facebook yeah. makes their money through advertising. If their advertising didn't work, they would make no money and they wouldn't exist. So let's, let's, let's like look at the validity of that statement. Maybe you just don't know what you're doing. And let's fix that. Well, that's typically what is truly happening. Okay, we've got just about a minute and a half. Do you have time to share with us the, the four most unpopular mindsets that you say entrepreneurs absolutely need to succeed in business? Four unpopular mindsets. Yeah, I, I think, you know, we've probably discussed many of them here, but I think one of them is you have to, you have to hire a mentor before you're ready to. Um, you have to be willing to invest in your business because if you don't invest in your business, your business is not going to grow. Um, the, you can't grow your business, so you can't expand your business by contracting. What I mean by that is you can't money uh, or you can't penny pinch your way to growth. So you have to be willing to invest, whether that's in ads, whether it's in coaching, whether it's in team members, et cetera. You have to be able to spend. You have to be willing to spend uh, or invest in your business in order for it to grow. And I think the final one is really um, most people are not cut out to be entrepreneurs. Uh, just real, you know, being super honest, they should probably work for one. Because the amount of risk and time involved in running a business, most people are not cut out for, even though they think they are. And, um, you know, it's no wonder that 95% of businesses fail in the first five years. So 
if you are not cut out for continuous failures and mistakes and things not working out, and you do not have the resilience to bounce back, you don't have the persistence to keep going even when everything isn't working, then you probably should work, you should be working for an entrepreneur as, as opposed to trying to be one yourself. Exactly. I've always said that as an entrepreneur, you have to have a cast iron stomach. You really yeah. do. We yeah. fail every day, multiple times a day. Sometimes it's a good thing. Sometimes we're like, oh, geez. Okay, I'm going to go sit in the corner and think about that. But, you know, it's it's a mindset and everything that you're talking about is part of it. Yuri, do you have anything else that you would like to share with our audience before I let you go? I think we've covered a lot. I mean, it's... Uh... Yeah, I mean, nothing nothing really top of mind, but hopefully this conversation has been useful for the listeners. Yeah, oh, it has been. Where can people find you? Um, probably the best place is Instagram. If you want to, you know, connect with more of my personal stuff, it's at Healthpreneur. If you want to watch my videos on YouTube, it's at Healthpreneur as well. Uh, those are probably the two best spots. Terrific. Yuri, thank you so much. It's been wonderful speaking with you. And I'm up to five index cards of scribbling. I'm going to have to decipher. I gave him doc now. Decipher what all I was scribbling about. But thank you for being with with us, and thank you for all of the terrific tips and the advice. And before we say goodbye, I would like to remind our audience to be sure to look for us in iTunes. Honestly, anywhere else you consume your business podcasts. The truth is you can't throw a stick on the Internet without hitting your partner in Success Radio. So find us. Connect with Yuri, tell him hello, tell him where you found him, and take us along on your success journey. Yuri, thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks for having me, Denise. Get your voice heard. If you would like to launch your own far-reaching podcast, contact Denise Griffiths at yourofficeontheweb.com and go to the podcast tab. 